what is greater than God, what is meaner than the devil, and what is men doing every day and going to hell? And the answer is nothing. So this morning, this is going to be so different. If, if, you're, if you're wanting some type of deep theological sermon, you should have come last week or the week before. Today, did you know that I've been here and I started this church about 30-something years ago? Whatever, 30, who knows? And I've done my very best in 30-something years to encourage you, to excite you, to incite you. I've done everything I possibly could to get some of you really on the track and going straight. But you know, there are some people that really doesn't want to do anything. So because Fox News is a balanced station, I guess, so I have to be fair and balanced with you. So if you are one of those people that really doesn't want to do anything, this sermon is for you. And the title is, is How to Be a Dud in the Kingdom of God. Go ahead, Terry. There you go. I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you to be a failure. I'm here to help you to be a dud in the things of God. I'm here to help you. I have to help you. It's my job to inform you how to, how to continue to be a dud in the kingdom of God. So if that's you, pay attention because today is your day. The great letter F is not for fantastic. I learned that in the ninth grade. Somebody finally told me that. Definition, Webster says that a dud is to be unsuccessful, to fizzle out, to flop, or to fail at one's own design. A dud. It's potential power which did not release its capability. Yeah. So here this morning, you're going to look at me funny, and, and you're, some of you are going to get mad and leave, and it's all right. It's okay. It won't bother me a bit because I'm here to help you to continue for you not to fulfill your capability because evidently, as Jesus said, their ears are dull, their heart is hard, and I don't have time to waste my time on them, so here we go. So if you are been in this church longer than a year or six months, you've heard me Greek, Hebrew, Latin, you've heard it. But today is, is a sermon for those that really are happy doing nothing in the kingdom of God. And I'm going to change the old beer commercial. This does for you, brother. Are you ready? Last week, we lit a bunch of candles. Anybody know what a firecracker is? Oh, baby. You can hold it while I light it. Now, if you took the old black cats that we have in the kids, you can stick them in the mailbox like M80 blow the mailbox off. I heard that. A friend told me you could do that. I don't know that personally. <laughs> now then, the firecrackers, you can hold them and it's not a great big deal. But how many knows that if this thing was completely full with black powder, that it would really make a great noise? Would, would you agree with that? Yeah. Would you like me to light it? You sure? It's a, it's, boy, it'll, it'll really shock you. But do you know why that it won't work? Because there's nothing on the inside. It's hollow. 
And so we're going to, anytime that you lie, you, you've done it, you've done it. You, you went the firecracker stand and you couldn't hardly wait and you let that baby, and I mean, everybody's ears just stop and your eyes are squints and you're waiting for this sonic boom and, and, and it does nothing. And what's the first thing you say? It's a what? Thank you. Oh, you're, you're dressed up. You look nice. You smell good. Your hair's combed. You took a shower for, and, and you look so wonderful. And you, and you say, Oh, when we get to church, we're going to do something really explosive. And you get here and it's just, <clears throat> Oh, I got, I got church attendance from the age of 12. Good for you. I know Bible verses. Good for you, but you've done nothing. Nothing has been released in your life. The power of God. Matter of fact, the, Jesus said, you shall receive power if the Holy Spirit's come upon you. That is word is exousia and dunamis. It means explosive power. One is authority, exousia, and then one is a demonstrated power. And I'm telling you, the Bible says that out of your innermost beings shall flow, not should flow, but shall flow rivers of living water. And if it does not flow, it is not in you. Wake up. If the things of God does not come out of you, then he is not in you. It will flow. You can't help it. If you're goofy, it's going to come out. Turn to somebody and say, whoo, man, it's in you. I'll tell you. So we can light these things and they look big and they look impressive. You, whoo, I bet that baby is going to really make a noise. But if I light it, it's going to do nothing. Why? Because it's nothing in there. It's a dud. And this is going to hurt and it's going to sting a little bit, but it'll be funny. But you're going to leave her and say, I want my money back. Well, you can't have it. There you go. That's why we take an offering before I preach, because if we did it, the church would go broke. So there's four basic, there's four basic principles. The number four in the Bible is the number of balance. Four wins, four seasons, the four tops, you know, the music group. And so there's the number four is the number of balance in the Bible. Five is grace, six is man. Seven is God, eight is, is new beginning. It doesn't matter. Nine is maturity. So four in the Bible. So rule number one, if you want to continue to be a dud and do nothing, you just want to show up and look pretty, this sermon's for you. Number one, never get involved. Don't ever get involved. If you want to continue to be a dud, never get involved. Number one. Here's why. you got your own problems. You've got your own personal failures. You've got your own personal challenges. And to take on another person's headaches, thank, but no thanks. Remember, you're not Superman nor Wonder Woman. You're not Mr. Fix-It when it comes to everyone else's problems. And they fall apart. You know that CCF church would be a terrific church if it wasn't for some of those saints and the problems that they have. And besides, Danny, at your age and your health issues, the last thing you need is the stress that comes with being responsible for someone else. It's even in the scriptures. Am I my brother's keeper? <laughs> and besides that, getting involved with other people's welfare would require at your very own expense your valuable time and talent. And on people who really don't that you really don't know well, or nor do you even want to know. So if you see that these folks, if you see them, smile at them, wave at them, shake their hand, speak to them, but whatever you do, do not get involved with these people or you'll be sorry. That's number one. 
If you want to continue to be a dud here at this church, just don't get involved with anybody. Matter of fact, I want to encourage you, move, move away from somebody a little further. Just move away. You'll be better off. I'm trying to help you. You're doing a good job. I'm trying to help you here to continue to be a dud. Number two, never develop a prayer time. Since God already knows what you want and need, then what's the use of, of us wasting God's time and, and your valuable time as well? Besides that, prayer can get confusing. Can I hear an amen? Who am I supposed to pray to anyway? God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit? And when should I pray? Morning, noon, or night? And where should I pray? At the bed? Where should I pray? At the table? How often should I pray? How loud or long do I have to kneel and pray? Do I stand? Do I kneel when we pray? Do we pray before or after our meals? Do I really have to close my eyes or do I, can I leave my eyes open? Because Jesus told the disciples to watch and pray. So see, praying can get complicated. Now here's for you that really don't understand this, that you're continuing to want to be a dud. Here's the deal. The problem with praying is that it moves our focus from ourselves and it turns it towards God. So you got to be very careful. Because you know how soft and tender heart your, your heart can be. So before you know what happens, as you pray, God can move your attention on the needs of others. And bam, you've fallen for the oldest trick in the book. You begin to loving others as you love yourselves. And when you begin to love others as you love yourselves, you'll be tempted to break rule number one, to get involved. So my advice to you, if you want to continue to be a dud, don't pray, just walk away. Number three, don't ever tithe. Since tithing was not in one of God's top 10 list that he gave to Moses, it must not be that big of a deal, right? And by the way, God has never audibly told me to tithe. It's always preachers. And why do they always tell you to give to God, but they make sure to make the checks out to them? <laughs> so what's the danger in tithing? Well, it really works. And when that principle of tithing begins to really work in your life, you'll begin to see financially blessings more than you've ever had in your life. And when that begins to happen, then you'll want to pray and give God thanks for all the blessings that he's given to you. And then what happens while you pray, God will send someone along your way with a financial need. And with you, with all your financial found by abundance, we'll be tempted to feel sorry for them. And then you'll get involved breaking rule number one, Tithing and teething, they both hurt, so just don't get started. I wouldn't do it if I was you. And rule number four, and this is the big no-no, rule number four. Never, ever pay attention to the study of scriptures and allow the word of God to get down into your heart and your soul. And that's your mind, will, and emotions. Now, you can go to church, you can sing some songs, you can shake hands, and you can seem very interested. But during the sermon, that should be your siesta. That should be your happy hour. Go ahead and take a nap. Just look around. A lot of people does it. <laughs> and it's not your fault that you don't understand the entire Bible. That's Pastor Jody's job. And you want him to be able to do his job very, very well. And besides, if you knew everything the pastor knows, then there would be no need for him. 
And then you would, he would find himself unemployed, living on the streets, and you could not live with your conscience knowing that with that. Now, could you? <laughs> but for all you potential does, here's the warning with this one. Because the word of God is alive and it's very powerful and potential to all may come in contact with it. If the word ever gets past your deaf ears and through your thick head, it would begin to rearrange and remove some old furniture in your heart. That furniture that you stumbled over your entire life. Faith would replace fear. Happiness would replace hate. Peace would replace panic. Giving would replace greed, serving for selfishness, compliments for criticisms, involvement for isolations, and last but not least, always being the victim, and you'll always now be the victor. And if that were ever to happen, it would only be a matter of time that you would be tempted to break rule number one, two, and three, and that would definitely keep you from being a dud in the most nicest Christian way. Even as simple and as complicated as things may be, the two greatest days in your life is the day that you were born and the day that you discovered why you were born. And unfortunately, some of you, I wasn't there the first monumental day of your life. But I had the opportunity now to be around you as God begins to unravel and unfold the second greatest day in your life, which is every day to discover why you were born. I'm a city that sits on a hill. I'm, I'm a light in a dark place. We've been commanded to do two things, be light and be salt. Light illuminates and salt influences. I haven't been a dud in a long, 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 long time. But I will tell you that there cannot be any more sickening and, and deeper and haunting spirit to know that I have not lived up to my full potential of what God has placed me on this planet for. And if I can sing... I need to sing to the fullness of my strength. If I can teach biblical principles, I'm going to give you a full hour and a half, but not today. If I can be friendly, I'm going to give you the strongest handshake I can. And whatever God has given me the power, I'm going to do it because I want to release everything that God has placed in me. And when we leave this place, whether it's your first time or your thousandth time, you'll know that we have not been a dud in God's kingdom. I have, I have successfully released the power and the potential that God has given me. So this morning, in a comical way that I've told some of you that if you want to continue to be a dud, if you want to continue just to be a shell, Peter says it the best by the Holy Spirit. He said, these, these are wells with no water. There's a structure. There's a stone structure. There's a matter of fact, there's, there's a little A-frame and there's a bucket and a rope, but 
There's no water in the well. There's nothing more heart-wrenching than than for someone to advertise something that they do not possess. There are clouds would tempt us. This is where we get a word. It's a black cloud. It means that Peter said it, it, it looks like rain, but, but the word tempt us means a hurricane. Some people you thought was a blessing come to your life until they went through your front door and back door and they took every piece of furniture you had out of the house. To be living up to our capability is, to, is that what God has ever gifted you, whatever it may be, to give it to him, release it. Anybody here can sing like Catherine? Not many can. But I will tell you, we all have the ability to sing. So let's do it. This is, this is not American's Got Talent here. We're just trying to glorify God. We're not judging you how good or bad you can sing. But whatever God has given you, then do it. Release the capability. But if you want to continue to be a dud and do nothing and just look good and smell good and say, yeah, I got a, I got a wick and be impressive, but it's not doing anything. Let's, let's let God light us and be alive. We found that last week. He's, his flame sets upon the candle of our, of our lives and, and we give him a platform and he gives us a purpose and, and, and we glorify God wherever we go. That's what we've been called to do, ladies and gentlemen. We've been called to be light and salt. We've been called to illuminate and influence no matter where we go. But the opposite is this. Let's get involved. Move a little closer to somebody now. I like you. First, I like you. At first, I didn't know, but I like you now. Involvement over isolation. Let's get involved. The Bible says in the book of Acts that they were, they become addicted. Is the, is a word for, where we get a word for prost. It means to be addicted to heroin. They were addicted to opium. They were addicted to one another. They were addicted to four things in the first church. But they were addicted to fellowship. They, they, couldn't, they couldn't live without being around one another. It's high time that we live in a society that we're the most unsociable, sociable people in the world. We all live in our phones and we go to our corners and, oh, we just chat up and storm, but we don't know how to communicate. Put the phone down and communicate. Shake their hand. I'm glad you're here. Gail and I will go somewhere and it's funny. We'll go somewhere and these people are, and, and it's a family. They're all on their phones. They're not talking to one another. Learn how to communicate. Put the phone down. I almost want to just take it from the hand and say, this is your wife and evidently this is your kids. Talk to them. You had them talk to them. If I ever catch you playing on your phone in church, oh, it's bad. I have a hammer on that piano and I will burst it here in the name of Jesus right here. Then you can put it back together, Humpty. We'll see what happens. But get involved. If you don't know who one another, get involved. Right on my car. And I'm not going to ask you to do something, but here we go. I've been here. I'm the founding guy of this church, but here's the deal. When's the last time you asked? Don't send me one because I won't, I won't answer it. Don't do it. If you mail me a letter, I'm going to mail it back to you. When's the last time you sent someone a note saying, I love you. I've been praying for you. You have no idea what somebody's face before they walked in this door. You have no idea. The loneliness and the emptiness and the shame and the guilt that spirit is not good enough. I'll tell you what, all that stuff is garbage. This is why we come here. We want to get involved. I'm glad you're here this morning.
I'm here a lot when you're not here and it's not the same place. All it is is just carpet and pews. You make this a living organism. Number two, develop a prayer life. Develop a prayer life. I don't care if it's first thing in the morning or last thing at night. It may be going down the road, driving a car. Somebody asked me one time, where'd you go to Bible college? I did not go. I did not go. Where'd you go to seminary? I did not go. Then how you know all that stuff? Well, if you ain't figured that out by now, maybe I have a relationship with God. But duh, it happens. But here's the deal. I learned to know God shifting gears behind the truck, steering wheel, for years. That's how I knew God. That's how I, that's how I, I, I had a relationship with God for years in the oil field, just driving the truck. And I, I, I developed a relationship with Him. Now, the scriptures came a little later, but I had a hunger and I learned to know God and learned to love God. And we had this, we had this thing going on for years before he sent me. And here's the deal. There's a lot of people in church today. They always want to perform, but they don't ever want to practice. <laughs> You've got to practice in private before God will announce you in public. You understand me? Don't think God's going to shove you out in practice and you don't, I mean, in public and you, you haven't practiced in private. And I will tell you the, the privacy, and I've always said this, how would you like to be Mary at the bedside of Jesus when he's five years old and his evening prayer at nighttime? How would you like to hear that conversation? Get involved. Number two, develop a prayer life. It may be just going to work. Turn the radio off. Turn it off. Just turn it off. K-love and all. Turn it off. There's time for that. Start your day with prayer. It may be 30 seconds. It may be a minute and a half, but just develop a prayer time. You know what the word prayer means? It, it, prosuke. That's all it means, prosuke. It's a Greek word, pros in front of, suke's face. It means to be in the face of. Prosuke. To be in the face of God. And any prayer life, any prayer life is found in the face there is two ears and one mouth and a great prayer life is hearing twice as much as what I speak a prayer life you get behind the steering wheel your finances are bad maybe your home's under attack maybe the kids are acting like their mother it happens all the time I understand that but I get behind that wheel and I turn the radio off and I say God I just, if I don't hear your voice today, if I don't hear you speak to me today, I don't think I can, I don't think I can make it. I don't like my job. I don't like my boss. I, I don't like the parking lot at Walmart. I don't like any of it. But if you'll just speak to me, if, if you'll just reverberate something in my heart, And God is faithful. Number three, learn how to be a giver. Just learn how to be a giver. Learn how to give to God. We're not trying to pay him back for nothing. But learn how to give that we may sow into other people. Because there's people here today that was not here a year ago. And it's because of some people's faithfulness through the years. So thank you for all that you do. And last but not least, above everything, let the Word of God get in you. The Bible said in 
Hebrews chapter number four, that the, verse 12, that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing the heart and the soul asunder. It's a Greek word called merimos. It means it's in there. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Two-edged sword. Diastomos. Two-edged. What's a two-edged sword? D is two. Stomos is mouth. That's kind of, that's funny for the first time you hear that. It doesn't mean that it's a sword with two edges. It means sharper than any two-edged sword. And this is what it means to close this short sermon. Don't say it, kid. Don't say it, Terry. What changes me on the inside is when God says something. I've heard, I've read all the books. I've read all the Reader Digest. I've heard all the infomercials at 3 a.m. And it didn't do nothing for me. For 20 years, I was voted less likely to ever step inside the church door. Until he spoke. And when he spoke to me, that Sunday morning, and we went through this, but I was a wicked cat. And I was mad because Galen and I went to church and I tried to cut myself up the night before. And I've explained this to you. Didn't want to be there. I was wanting to fight with her on the back row of the church. That's why the, you people on the back row pay attention. And I, I was kicking the back. I had a demon working in me, full blown. Full blown. that morning in a very simple setting no loud music nobody running around the church no big choir no big cantata no nothing it's about as quiet as this but he spoke to me John the Revelator said well I was buried in the Isle of Patmos that he spoke to me and it was like a voice of many waters and when he spoke to me Things began to divide and separate in my life. Hate was replaced with love. And these things was... Now the word two-mouth sword is this. When he speaks it, it's one side of the sword that goes in. But the other side is when I speak what he says. Diastomos, two mouths. For you that wanted to be teachers or preachers, here, here's a newsflash. Dun, 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 dun. Only say what God says. Don't make up stuff. It's not impressive. Three words. We don't care. But I found that through the years that if I'll just say what God said that changed my life, then why wouldn't it change yours? He loves you. He has a plan for you. And I'll promise you one thing. If you'll begin to let the Word of God get down in you and pass your dull ears and your thick head, once the Word begins to get down in you, things are going to change. If we've ever needed, as we close this morning, if we've ever needed a church body to carry the genuine power of the Spirit of God in our lives is today. If Jesus cannot be real to you, He cannot be real through you. So this morning, I'm going to get involved with you. I'm going to start my prayer time a little bit more intense with God. 
I'm going to learn to be a giver. All, all giving is, is a sign that you overcome greed. That's all that is. And lastly, I'm going to continue to let the scriptures get deep down in me. Not rules, not regulations, not doctrines, not traditions of men. All that stuff is just addition. That stuff will never change anything or anybody, but it is the true spoken word of God that will change you. The reason why you hear me say this a lot, but that God is such a personal God. Just sending his word was not enough in, in letter form. He sent his son. And you've heard me say this a lot, but I'm here to this. Some of you this morning need to hear this, that some of you heard enough sermons to choke a small mule. I understand that. Not here, of course, but... But in creation, 10 times, God says, let there be. Let there be light and let there be firmness and let there be these things and let that separate from that and let there be the fish there. And he finally got to the creepy things, which we refer to as cats. And he said, let all these things be created until he come to man. And he did not say, let there be man. He did not say that. He reached down and he, and he got a wholesome dirt. He touched him. And that's why some of you have been needing his touch your whole life. With every head bowed this morning, you've heard every sermon in the world. You've read every book that's bestseller. You stay up late to watch your favorite TV program. And it's words of God remind you certain things, but it's not the same as him touching you. Man has longed to be touched by God because in the very beginning, God touched man. And it's one thing this morning to me to remind you that you're loved and you're forgiven and God has plans and purposes and designs for your life and but you're having trouble getting over the guilt and the shame. The woman at the well, she had trouble letting go of the empty bucket, but you asking only someone to do what only God could do for her. But this morning, I'm, I'm asking my father to do something a little unusual in this place for you today. I'm asking God to touch you The Bible says that when Peter spoke, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. That word fell is only used one at a time in the whole New Testament is when the father fell upon the prodigal son and kissed him. The first thing that we've got to, we've got to satisfy this morning is that the Holy Spirit needs to fall and embrace you fresh from the pig pen as well, but to remind you, you are loved. In spite of where you've been or what you've done, the Holy Spirit's responsibility this morning is to fall upon you 
and embrace you and to kiss you and to remind you you belong to the Father. Every cantation of witchcraft that has been spoken against you will fall at his feet. Every unkind word and unkind gesture that's ever been spoken against you and done against you will fall at his feet this morning. And you'll no longer carry that empty bucket hoping somebody can fill it because only God can fill and satisfy your heart. The loss of a loved one, the tragic divorce, the untimely death of a child, all these things seems to scar and mark us. And we just go through life numb, paralyzed by the problems. But, but today I'm just asking very simply that the Holy Spirit would just fall upon us this morning. And we will return back to the, our first love, the only one who really loves us, and that's Christ our King. Thank you, Father. Can we stand this morning very quietly and take somebody by the hand if you don't mind? We're not going to do anything else. I don't want you to be a dud. I want you to explode. I want you to release the capability that God has placed in you. No one can sing like you. No one can laugh like you. No one can greet like you. No one can do like you do. And we need you. This world is hurting for the kingdom of heaven to be accomplished upon the earth. We need you. So this morning, as we join hands, we're really getting involved. We join hands for two reasons, for affection and protection. We're we're getting involved with one another. Thank you. Now, don't do it out loud, but I was just kind of by this. Now then, I just want you to kind of squeeze their hand a little harder, not hard, and just to remind them silently, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I know you're hurting. I know you're wounded. But if I'm going to get involved with your life, I'm going to pray for you. And number three, not only am I going to get involved with you, and not only and I'm going to pray for you, but I'm going to learn how to serve you and give out of the abundance of what God has given me. And I'm going to let this living word that's in my life, I'm going to let it be demonstrated. And I'm going to serve you. And I'm going to bear your burdens. And I'm going to be a blessing to you. Father, this morning, for everyone that's here today, I pray that, that our guilt and our shames and our sins have all been washed by the blood of Christ. And now then, we're going to learn to work together and love one another, work together, help one another. Your scriptures bears out lastly that by this, all men will know that you are my disciples because you love one another. So thank you for being present this morning, Father. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that has 
fallen upon our necks and reminded us that we belong to you. And we're going to leave this place in a place of worship and thanksgiving in Jesus' name. And all the people of God said, Amen. Turn to about three people and say, Hey, I am glad you are here today. No Mr. Dud for you. No. Give the Lord a praise offering this morning, would you please, huh? Now, if you show back up next, next week, we'll go back to our, our regular scheduled services. How's that? If you're visiting this morning that we celebrate Holy Communion every week, and let me explain something to you for you that don't know this, but if you know it, we've been commanded to. Communion servers, please come. I was raised in the Assembly of God Church, and I was taught, well, I say I was taught, we had communion about once a month, once every eight weeks. I really don't know, but we were terrified to take it. Terrified. Because Brother Doom and Gloom got up there and reminded us. He said, let a man examine himself. And if any man finds himself unworthy to take the communion cup, then you're heaping damnation to yourself. And my goodness, it didn't take me long to check that list. And I wasn't qualified whatsoever to go down the front. But the Bible says, let a man examine himself. And if any man taketh the cup unworthily, that is the Greek word for enaxios. It means your own worth. If any man takes this communion, the, the body of Christ and the, and the blood of Christ represented in these two sacraments, if any man or woman take this in his own worth, you are heaping damnation upon yourself. You are, the word damnation means to, to put up a dam. You are separating yourself from the life of God. See how simple that is? There's only one that is worthy. And that's Christ. And every time I take the cup and every time I take the bread, I'm not coming in my own worth. I'm not grading my own report card of what I've done this week. I'm coming because Christ is worthy. And he says, come. So you don't have to be a member of this church. We're not asking you to dump all your dirty laundry out to the front. I'm just telling you this morning, if your heart is beating and your lungs is full of air, Jesus is inviting you to come and break bread. That night he sat with his disciples and he said this, for 1500 years, you've been celebrating the first Passover. They took the unleavened bread and they broke it. Jesus said in John 6, your fathers did eat of the man and the bread that fell from heaven, but your fathers did eat and they did hunger. But he said, I am the bread of life. And if any man eats of me, he will never hunger again. And they took the bread. And then he lifted up the cup. It was four cups that night. This was the third cup when he did this. It was the cup of redemption. And he said, 1,500 years ago in celebrating the first Passover, that the Jews would take the lamb's blood and place in the shape of a cross. And that night when the death angel, or Abaddon was the word, that saw the blood in the shape of a cross, that they would pass over that home. But Jesus said, I am the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And my father will soon take my own blood in the shape of a cross. And whosoever partakes of this bread and whosoever partakes of this blood, remember me. 
Father, this morning, once again, we have the awesome privilege of just remembering Christ, what he's done for us. His body was broken and his blood was shed. And we never get bored and it'll never get old to us of what the redemption work of Christ did for us. So we celebrate the cup and we celebrate the bread. And I pray for everyone that partakes and celebrates of this, that we once again are remembering the kingship of our Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.